following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, to play pinball and put in your earplugs put on your eye shades you know where to put the Back on the Tom Dupree Show. More of Tony Joe White there for our intro music. Swampy. Yeah. This is uh, from his new album that came out a couple weeks ago called Bad Mouth. Oh, really? A lot of blues covers. So, yeah, we'll, we'll feature that this hour. Okay. He just had a new album out then. Yeah. Still at it, what, 75, 76 years old. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Voice doesn't seem to have changed much. No, and, you know... It, uh, uh, Mike said swamp music. That's what I like about Tony Joe White's songs. He can make a meal out of the swamp. <laughs> yeah, he can. Um, investor shift triggers wild ride. You know, what was interesting uh, this week is I would keep looking up at the Drudge Report, and uh, one one thing would be talking about uh, the uh, uh, market and then it would be talking about the hurricane. It's just like the hurricane and the drop in the market hit at the same time. Right. And, uh, of course, we know that uh, hurricanes can cause uh, all kinds of turmoil in the insurance area. Right. And we, we have some exposure there to insurance-related stocks. The, the latest estimates that I've seen um, – Hurricane Michael, it's uh, a fraction of the ones from last year. I mean, it, it, flooding is where you get the that, – that's the most expensive. Uh, wind damage, it, it's, 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 it's strange, though, because flooding, a lot of insurance companies don't cover flooding, so yeah. it gives them an out. Now, wind damage, most policies are covered on that. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. The total – uh, cost of the hurricane will be less than the ones last year, but it, at least it looks that way. Um, but we'll see what the insurance companies have to pay out. Right. So, um, it, 
like you say, it'll be interesting. But it's it's actually it's it's good in a in a weird perverse way for the insurance companies because um, if you're an insurance company and you haven't had much in the way of claims, you get more uh, insurance companies in there, premiums soften, uh, and profitability goes down. Um, as Philip says, you got to have a good loss occasionally to to justify the existence. Right. Yeah. They. That's what helps them justify their uh, premiums. Right. Exactly. Stocks rally to close higher, but log worst week since March. So, you know, we've seen in the stock market uh, a big pullback this past week, uh, and they did rally on Friday. What do you think is going on here in the market? So the, the two big things, uh, the biggest one is uh, tied to the, the yield on the Treasury bond. Uh, you know, the 10-year Treasury on Friday closed at 3.14%. I think it got to about three and a quarter, I think, was was the high right around yeah. there. So <clears throat> you, 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 you teased it in the, the first section or first part of the show. Um, you know, as yields go up, um, it makes stocks less attractive uh, because it's it's a it's a competitor, if you will, for returns. Um, but what we've seen, especially in uh, tech, um, a, a, a growth company, the current valuation of the stock, what people are paying for the stock today, is a future is the present value of their future earnings. Right. Well, when you have interest rates at zero or low interest rates, that present value mathematically is a higher number. Yep. Um, as interest rates go up, those future earnings are worth less. Um, so you, you saw- You have to have more of them to compete with uh, the bond yield. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you had uh, tech especially get hit hard. A lot of these momentum stocks, uh, the, the FANG stocks as they've been called, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google- sure most of our listeners are familiar with fang now um you know those are the ones that really got hit hard especially wednesday and thursday uh, now they recovered some yesterday uh, but that's w- when you're looking at the index where it's market cap weighted they're most heavily weighted to technology so when right. those drop you see bigger swings in the market yep and it's all about duration um Exactly. Markets. So any security that you buy, it comes down to uh, how soon are you going to get your money back? Right. If a security pays a dividend, then it makes that number uh, a lower number mm-hmm. in terms of maturity or duration, and right. that's that's what you're looking at with with the with the uh, tech stocks. Um, the duration is way out there. Right. And, and you, you draw that parallel with bonds, same concept, the 30-year treasury bond, which with a treasury bond, you know you're going to, there's not a default risk. You know right. you're going to get your money back. With a growth stock, you don't know that you're going to get your money back. But even with the 30-year treasury, um, I think year to date, it's down around 10%. Um, a 10-year treasury is down about 6%. Uh, year to date um, mm-hmm. so it, the longer out until you get your money back the duration the yeah. more that gets whipsawed by interest rates right um, one of the things we've been doing <clears throat> we, we started this week and we'll 
finish it up next week, um, the only funds that we have in our clients' portfolios have been two short-duration bond funds. Right. <clears throat> and we've owned those for a long time, probably since 2009, yeah. um, around there. And they've done exactly what we wanted them to do. It's kind of a you know the next layer of cash, if you will. We call it our dry powder. Um, what we're seeing in the market right now, we've taken kind of a preemptive strike, um, and we're we're rolling out of the bond funds, and we're rolling into one year treasury bills yeah. uh, because you know in a in twelve months you're going to get your principal back plus the interest on a on a T bill. Uh, with a bond fund, even if it's a you know conservative, high-grade bond fund, there's no maturity date. Um, right. And you can have duration lengthen out depending on the type of bond that's, right. that's in there. Um, we just want to know that our you know dry powder is available if and when we need it. People have to be very careful about bond mutual funds during this type of uh, market. Um, because what can happen is, uh, they can go down in price, uh, with, if, if the treasury yield keeps going up, you can see a decline in the price of these bond mutual funds that can be pretty significant, um, yeah. because of the, uh, uh, lengthening duration, if you will. And, uh, you know, it, it can happen, uh, fairly quickly can and one thing you've seen too um i know it that several brokerage or um, custodians the the money market uh yields have gone up um so with some with some of our clients that we work with in uh the, they're in like the university of kentucky that we work with right um the the money market yields actually pretty attractive yeah. um so that's that's a place that you can use as almost kind of a short duration bond fund yeah um and that you know as rates go up you, you have to be flexible on your allocation yeah that's true and you know one of the things that you brought in was a piece about different allocations you might want to talk a little bit about that because you got to be careful about being too exposed to one thing, but let's take our break first. We'll get into that when we come back. This is the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. From work to kids to running errands, you're always on the go. To work, the gym, or running errands. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Hey, Alexa, play News Radio 630 WLAP on iHeartRadio. Hi, this is Tom Dupree, Jr. Do you understand your retirement savings and investments? Do you know how much you can reasonably expect to take from them after you retire without diminishing the principal? If you haven't thought about these things, you should because they can affect how long your money may last. At Dupree Financial Group, we've been following things like this for some time. Our goal for our clients is to make their investments produce income for them from dividends and interest without diminishing their principal. If you'd like a free consultation about your retirement investments, give us a call at 859-233-0400. We'll give you an honest assessment of what we think your investments will produce for you in retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400, dupreefinancial.com, 
and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. on the Tom Dupree show. It's kind of waiting for the vocals to kick in there. Yeah, I was too. This is the first time I've heard all this. Uh, yeah. Your guess is as good as mine on any of this. I dream about you, baby, when my dog woke me up last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, he's still doing it. Dreaming about you, baby, and my dog just howled all night. There you go. All right. Uh, thing about you. What uh, what you're showing us in, in this is something you brought in. Is yeah. it uh, is it different asset classes can outperform the market in different years, and uh, you you brought in an illustration of that that shows. Yeah, we'll 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 post this on uh, on Facebook uh, the a link to this afterwards. But it's um, it's just, it's it's a, a chart, and these these charts have been around for years. But it it's a, a asset class performance chart, and it lists the the top five uh, performing asset classes on a yearly basis, and it color codes them so you can go through and look and see you know trends or whatnot. But it goes back. This particular chart goes back to two thousand and eight through. Uh, 2018 through uh, August 31st of 2018. Um, the the key takeaway on this: there's no one asset class that performs the best every year. You know, right. like uh, in 2008, government bonds were obviously the the best performer. Uh, then you had emerging markets, then real estate, uh, then then Treasury inflation protected securities, then U.S. equities, Japanese equities. There, there's no one asset class that's the best performer ac- across the board, and some of them that were the best performer become the worst performer. Uh, you know, so it fluctuates up and down. Right. The the takeaway for me on this is you have to be you have to have a plan in place, and you have to be flexible, uh, not dogmatic about what you're investing in. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't <clears throat> you can't put something on autopilot, and because the returns were good last year, assume that that's going to be the case the next year. Um, you know, that especially that speaks true for chasing performance, uh, which which a lot of investors do. Such and such asset class was good last year, so I'm going to put money into it. Right, and they they chase it, and they're constantly chasing their tail. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Right, somebody it, said that's going to be a good slogan for the 2020 uh, presidential campaign. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. It, it always helps you to see things clearly when you look at what's happened. Right. Um, something we see a lot um, when people come in to see us, uh, we, we've talked about this before, but you know, what's going on in the market right now is a, you know, it's a, it's a primer for this. 
highly correlated asset classes or uh, highly correlated investments with themselves, meaning the things move with maybe the S&P 500, you know, one for one. They just follow what the market does. And then if they have 10 or 15 mutual funds, those mutual funds are correlated with each other. So you have the, the overall uh, mutual fund moving with the market, and then you have all your funds moving with each other. So you right. essentially have one mutual fund f- for all practical purposes. That's right. So you know when people say put all my eggs in one basket, that worries me. Well, you can have ten different mutual funds, and essentially all your eggs are in one basket. That's right. Um, and they don't realize that we have the program for Morningstar, which yeah. we can put in the funds and show exactly how correlated they are. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, a correlation of one is a perfect correlation. Negative one is perfectly inverse correlation. And what you want to have, you want to have businesses that aren't perfectly correlated because, you know, in times of turbulence, typically that helps, you know, kind of buoy uh, the fluctuation. Right. Now, if, if you have a, a broad sell-off, like even in on Wednesday, y- y- it was kind of all asset classes, including bonds, were down on Wednesday. You know, you th- that was the case earlier this year, too. You had higher correlation on average across the board. Right. Um, but you'll see that start to level out uh, over time. Um, so having a broadly diversified uh and you know what we stress is broadly diversified income generating portfolio right the um the income is the most important aspect of it because when we're sitting down with clients and showing them how their portfolios have returned uh quite frequently the income portion of it is the biggest portion we're not necessarily after growth because growth is is uh, undependable. Right. We don't know when growth is going to grow. Look at this year. Right. You know, uh, you had uh, the Dow and the S and P up nicely. Now they're back to almost flat. Right. On the year. Right. At least our people have gotten their dividends. Exactly. And <clears throat> you know, when we show people what the returns have been, we show a total return number, yeah. um, which includes price movement. But then we itemize it. You know, what's where does that total return come from? How much of it comes from the dividends and the interest, and how much of it has come from price appreciation from growth? Um, and if you look back um, on a yearly basis, you can see that. Uh, in terms of the income that's been paid on the on a yearly basis you can see that number kind of gradually ticking up and that comes from you know look keeping a close eye on valuations um you know if if it's a utility stock um that pays a certain dividend well what's it trading at how much are you paying for that income you know back about three years ago utility stocks that was the hot commodity uh Mm -hmm. because bond yields were so low uh money went into utilities as kind of a proxy for that and then as interest rates went have started going up money's flowed out um but then you can have company specific issues on top of that right um we actually just uh bought uh bought back a utility company in our portfolio because when we sold it it just looked way too expensive yeah and where it is now 
it just looked way too cheap. Yeah, yeah you, ne- you never know if you're selling at the, you know, the peak or buying at the bottom. But when you're looking at the fundamentals, you, you, you can back into, you know, you're kind of getting in the ballpark of where something's right. trading. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> I was just going to say, too, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of articles out there saying, you know, don't panic. Stick to your, your plan. And, and the, I get that. I agree with that. But what is your plan? I think that's the big thing people need to ask. Um, you know, if you had a plan 10 years ago and it was a growth plan, but now your life situation's changed, you don't need to stick to that plan. Right. Uh, that's, that's where you can get yourself into a lot of trouble um, because your, your situation has changed. That's right. And you haven't updated your plan. You're taking distributions now rather than uh, – and that gets into this uh, thing that we talked about in the first hour of <clears throat> how much do you have invested? What's it going to pay you? Are you going to be able to live on it along with your Social Security or whatever other sources of income you have? And that's why we have actually advised some people to continue working. Right. Right. Because they're going to need the income. Right. Exactly. I mean, retirement's expensive. Um, it's it's scary on a number of levels. Um, you know, from the financial standpoint, from the potentially from the identity standpoint, from you know keeping your mind busy, staying uh, you know active. Um, it makes sense for people, a lot of people, to continue working in in some capacity. You know, it right. might it might not be what you were doing but you know retirement's flexibility you know being flexible in what you're doing flexible with your time that's right and are they going to be able to have that kind of flexibility that's the big question because some people are just going to need other income from other sources right stay with us you're listening to the tom dupree show It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Laura Trump. Please join my father in law, President Donald Trump, for a rally Saturday, October 13th at 7 p.m. at the Alumni Coliseum in Richmond. Doors open at 4 p.m. Get your free tickets online at www.donaldjtrump.com. With control of Congress at stake this election year, showing your support for the president is more important than ever. Together, we can make America great again. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. Message and data rates may apply. Earning your degree from one of the top business schools in the country might sound impossible to fit into your workload. But what if there were a business degree that furthered your career and gave you access to world-renowned faculty, leaders, and mentors, all on your schedule? One that opened doors to some of the most influential CEOs, tech companies, law firms, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. And what if you could earn that degree in as little as 16 months, 100% online? To find out more, text TREND to 79645. That's T-R-E-N-D to 79645. Start your online MBA, information management, or business analytics master's program from the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University today. Learn more about the W.P. Carey Business Graduate Programs online. Text TREND to 79645. That's T-R-E-N-D to 79645.
An American pastor is on his way back to the U.S. after being accused and sentenced of spying by a Turkish court. The president was in Ohio last night and spoke about his release. ABC's Tara Palmieri is in Washington. Andrew Brunson, an evangelical pastor from North Carolina, was convicted by a Turkish court who accused him of spying and aiding terrorists. Brunson and U.S. officials deny those charges. The pastor celebrating the end of his 24-month detention by kissing the American flag after touching down in Germany. The president says he's increased pressure on the Turkish government for his release, and he's invited Brunson for a special visit to the White House today. New questions about the alleged killing of journalist and Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. The Post says Turkish officials say they have recordings showing he was killed inside the Saudi consulate in Turkey. At least 17 people now confirmed dead in several states following Hurricane Michael. The search for victims continues, especially in the hardest-hit Florida panhandle. Michelle Franz and ABC News. As we head into your Saturday afternoon, we'll see cloud cover decreasing from west to east. That's the good news. We're nice and dry as well. Mostly sunny skies. Yes, they'll eventually take over as we climb deeper into the afternoon hours. Now, temperature-wise, we are on the chilly side as highs only top out in the low to mid-50s. For tonight, partly cloudy skies will hang around. It's a cold night out there. Temperature-wise, we're dropping off into the lower 40s. For your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP, I'm WKYT meteorologist Chris Johnson. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio Station. High Times, the most iconic brand in the booming cannabis industry, just went public. Join the IPO now, HighTimesInvestor.com. Don't miss your chance to be part of history in the making. Visit HighTimesInvestor.com. That's HighTimesInvestor.com. High Times Holding Corp's offering will be made only by means of an offering circular, which has been filed with and qualified by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. These securities are highly speculative. Investing in shares of common stock of High Times Holding Corp involves significant risks. The investment is suitable only for persons who can afford to lose their entire investment. Furthermore, investors must understand that such investment could be illiquid for an indefinite period of time. No public market currently exists for the securities, and if a public market develops following the offering, it may not continue. To obtain a copy of the offering circular, which contains information about High Times Holding Corp., the offering, and other related topics, including the risks of the investment, please visit HighTimesInvestor.com. That's HighTimesInvestor.com. iHeartMedia and its affiliates are investors in High Times Holding Corp., but are not associated with this offering. iHeartMedia and its affiliates are not responsible for the information contained in this message, the information included at HighTimesInvestor.com, or the information filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Looking for fast, easy, and secure electronic banking? Community Trust has a wide variety of banking services to meet your needs, including internet banking, bill pay, and mobile banking. We now have even more great services like Apple Pay, make payments directly from your smartphone, and People Pay, a fast, easy, secure way to send and receive money from your smartphone. Visit us on the internet to learn more at ctbi.com. That's ctbi.com. Community Trust Bank, building communities built on trust. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. 630 WLAP. One time I had this little band back home. A rock and roll band. And we was going to play this job one night. It wasn't too far away, so we was walking. Well, we came up on this long, black stretch of woods. Had an old river running through it, and an old wooden bridge across the river. Well, just as I was about to step up on the bridge, troll, out stepped the troll. 
Yep. That's a good song. We don't have time for the whole story. But no, we don't. That's why we need another radio show. Just you and me playing rock and roll. Just, just music. We'll do it on Saturday night or something. Back on the Tom Dupree show, how Sears lost its mojo. This is an opinion uh, piece in the Wall Street Journal. I'm going to read this thing. Uh, Sears Roebuck & Company is one of the most storied names in American retail, once perhaps as dominant as Amazon is today. But now the 125-year-old Sears Holdings stands on the brink of bankruptcy. The stock's trading for a fraction of, you know, it's trading for less than a dollar. Uh, herein lies a palpable, uh, a parable of markets and mismanagement. After amassing $5.5 billion in debt, Sears is facing a cash crunch with a $134 million payment due Monday. CEO Edward Lampert, whose hedge fund ESL is Sears' biggest creditor and shareholder, has been keeping the company afloat with short-term borrowing and financial gymnastics, but other creditors and investors are finally losing patience. Sears began in the late 19th century as a mail-order catalog that sold products once accessible only to city dwellers to rural Americans. Its reach into the living rooms across America helped the growth of venerable manufacturers like Schwinn, GE, and Whirlpool. During the post-World War II boom, Sears superstores catered to middle-class Levittowns. Washington machines, lawnmowers, TVs, socks, Sears had you covered. Over the next few decades, Sears diversified by launching its own auto shop business, appliance manufacturer and financial service unit that sold insurance, real estate, and credit cards. Socks and Stocks was the quip when Sears bought broker Dean Witter in 1981. But synergy never worked, and the new businesses contributed to diffuse corporate organizations. Meanwhile, Walmart, Target, Home Depot, and Costco started poaching customers. Enter Mr. Lampert, whose hedge fund won a controlling strike of Kmart in bankruptcy in 2003 and two years later merged with Sears. Lampert boosted profits by raising prices and spending less on advertising and store upgrades. He warned shareholders in 2007, unless we believe we will receive an adequate return on investment, we will not spend money on capital expenditures to build new stores or upgrade our existing base simply because our competitors do. Mr. Lampert used share buybacks to lift the stock price. Investors cheered as Sears stock marched to a high of $133 in April of 07. But higher prices in unkempt stores generally turned off customers. A lack of investment also hampered its ability to compete with Amazon, Overstock.com, and e-commerce retailers. Over the last seven years, Sears has run more than $11 billion in losses as annual sales have fallen by half. To staunch the red ink, Mr. Lampert has sold unprofitable stores and turned to financial engineering. In 2015, ESL created a real estate trust that acquired 266 properties and leased them back to the retailer. ESL and the company's pension plan also issued short-term loans. An era of low interest rates that whet investor appetites for higher yield helped sustain Sears' access to credit markets for a brief time, but vendors are now demanding immediate payment for inventory 
and banks see no path to a turnaround outside of bankruptcy. Sears may have been better off restructuring its debt years ago so it could make investments to better compete in the digital era. Target's online sales have grown 41% over the last year. Walmart is projecting 40% year-over-year e-commerce growth. Bankruptcy will allow Sears to reduce its debt burden, though Mr. Lampert's ESL will have to swallow large losses that he no doubt wanted to avoid. Yet Sears will never recover if Lampert insists on starving the business of investment. Sears' travails are a reminder that short-term management rarely prospers. It's an interesting story. Uh, <clears throat> Sears has just made – that's where we shopped when I was little. My mother bought us clothes at Sears and, and shoes and things like that. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a huge brand – uh, they put out a catalog that was that thick. I mean, I'm, I'm doing my fingers like two and a half inches thick uh, around Christmas time, and um, it's just amazing the things that they sold. Yeah, and how they stretched into so many areas of life. It's 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 a sad story of gross mismanagement. Yeah, of a company. You know, not you know get uh, management getting stuck in a certain way of doing things and not seeing changes that were coming. You know, it, you know the article mentioned they weren't going to revamp, spend money to revamp stores, right. even though others were. You know, uh, you you can do all the financial engineering you want, but if you don't have people coming in your store, it doesn't matter. Um, and this, this is just purely my opinion, but uh, you look at Eddie Lampert, you know, there's just, there's so many conflicts of interest that he right. had with that company. So he's the CEO of the company. So he's supposed to be a fiduciary for the company, the, the shareholders, yep. you know, put that interest first. Well, he's also has a hedge fund that is buying assets of the company that he's supposed to be the fiduciary of right. and giving loans to so so you're both the lender. A little too close. It's too close. You know, I, I mean, he's he's not been, you know, I, I don't know if they've investigated or not, uh, but it, it's so close. You know, it, it's there's the potential for him putting the priority of one over the other. I don't know how you couldn't at some point put the priority of one to the expense of the other. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it's – it's just a gross mismanagement uh, of a company. Um, we we looked uh, several years ago at the Sears bonds um, because with a bond you have a claim on the assets of the company. But uh, they sold the assets out from they, under you. They, he, he pillaged the assets. <coughs> That's why we passed on it. Yeah. You know, because you had the bonds, but you had nothing behind it. Nothing. And, and that's, you know, the, the, the debt's what's, you know, killing them now. I mean, they're going to, they're probably going to default and go through bankruptcy you know we'll see how it plays out. But, um, that, that's why we passed on it. And that's why you have to do your research on companies. Um, because you, you can't, you can't just follow, you know, blindly that, oh, it's a bond. You have a claim on the assets. Well, yes, but right. what assets, you know, are there really assets there? Yeah, especially if it's a senior unsecured, exactly. which those were. Right. 
if they're unsecured, then he can do anything he wants to with the assets, and right. you have no say in it. And you could have a bank come in before you. You get subordinated. Uh, there's different things that can, can happen. Um, so you, you have to be careful even with bonds. Um, when I look at what a big deal Sears was in our life when we were growing up and how it's just gone downhill, same thing with – a company like Eastman Kodak, for instance. I mean, you barely ever hear from them anymore. Um, I don't even know if they're still around. I believe they filed for bankruptcy. Well, they they're they're not a factor anymore in in East, photographer. Eastman Kodak, uh, the ticker's K O D K, uh, is trading for two dollars and forty six cents a share. Has a market cap of one hundred and five million dollars. God. I mean, that was one of the biggest companies in industrial America at one time. Back in 2014, the stock was trading for $36 a share. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Well, And, and another kind of zombie company, uh, which Sears has basically been, is uh, J.C. Penney's. Yeah. You know, uh, Penney's uh, is trading for $1.76 a share. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. But it's kind of the same story. You know, they've sold off brands. You know, the stores are just dingy when you go in. You know, why? Right. How, how, how are you attracting uh, customers? But, you know, it has a market cap of $554 million. Um, it got to a high back in 2007 of $80 a share. Really? And it's at a buck seventy six now. Golly. So, I mean, it's just companies change. That's yeah. that's why you you can't you can't just blindly hold something and assume that it's right. going to be there because things change. Yeah, and they can start to go down a path that are that is not a, a profitable path for the shareholders. I just right. got a text uh, from a well noted media <laughs> member. I I will not reveal his name. He said the best thing about Sears in nineteen fifties was that Sears catalogs had the best and cheapest toilet paper in the USA. I didn't know you could order. That they toilet were selling paper. toilet paper. I didn't know that. That's, that's way beyond my time. But Mike, you were talking about J.C. Penney. You and I are probably close to the same age. How yeah. great was it about this time of year? You would get the J.C. Penney catalog. Oh yeah, and all the toys were in there for Christmas. Absolutely. And you went through and you circled what you wanted. Just same thing with Sears. Yeah. When I was young, you well, got those big thick catalogs. And even uh, Toys R Us. Yeah. You know, well, look what's happened with Toys R Us. I mean, that was that was the treat. You know, when I was a kid, you know, it was probably it was sure the same for you. You know, you go to Toys R Us. That's where I got my first bicycle was from Toys R mm -hmm. Us. Yeah. And it's gone. Yeah. So stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. This high-stakes political battle. The fight. Fight for America's soul. We got to fight like hell. To shift the balance. Take control of the House. Take back the Senate. Of power. Power. That's what the election is about. Updates on the midterms. Back and forth until November. On News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Do you understand your retirement savings and investments? Do you know how much you can reasonably expect to take from them after you retire without diminishing the principal? If you haven't thought about these things, you should because they can affect how long your money may last. At Dupree Financial Group, we've been following things like this for some time. Our goal for our clients is to make their investments produce income for them from dividends and interest without diminishing their principal. If you'd like a free consultation about your retirement investments, 
Give us a call at 859-233-0400. We'll give you an honest assessment of what we think your investments will produce for you in retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400, DupreeFinancial.com, and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. Jones, where our neighbors a long time back. They live right down the road from us in a shack just like our shack. We worked in the fields together and we learned to count on each other. When you live off the land, you don't have time to think about another man's color. Oh, the cotton was high and the corn was growing fast. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. This is a really good song, too. It tells a great story. <clears throat> so best, it's, best it's, way I can sum up Tony Joe White's blue-collar swamp rock. Yeah, but he's a storyteller. Yeah, but he, he is a great storyteller. So, kind of like a folk storyteller. Universal Life Insurance, a 1980s sensation, has backfired. you got two articles here, the $210 billion risk in your 401K and this article about Universal Life Insurance, and they both kind of tie into each other because both of them are used in sometimes as a sort of a retirement plan. People take out loans against them, and the internal rate of return on both of them has somewhat slowed down and, and made it uh, – a difficult proposition, especially universal life insurance, the way it was sold to people and the way it has acted recently. Right. So uh, universal life insurance, I guess, I guess it came to prominence in the late 80s, early 90s. And the, the issue that you've had, so it, remember, insurance companies, they're good at not losing money. Um, you know, that, that can carry the whole point, the whole point, you know, a new side, (laughs) side note, annuities are, uh, issued by insurance Insurance companies. Um, things can change. Um, but with universal life, the idea was that it's a combination of term and whole life insurance. Well, uh, you put in the first few years, you put in a higher premium, you build up a cash balance. That cash balance is earning a certain rate, and then that in the future helps supplement the premiums. That was the whole idea. Yeah. Well, at the time, uh, as you said earlier in the show, uh, interest rates were double digits. Um, so your cash balance was earning double digits, and that's how they built the whole model for the, 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 the policy. Well, as interest rates have gone down, you had two, th- two, two things working against the policy. As the owner of the policy gets older, the, the premium goes up, and you've had interest rates go down. Yep. And so now the, the insurance company has been raising the premium, and the cash balance – you know, people may have taken a loan against it um, or early on, so you have less cash in there. But the ba- the the gist of it is, it's upside down. Right. Um, so the net sometimes of- they even have more in the 
inside the uh, cash value than than is the death benefit on the that's right. policy itself. That's right. And so you essentially have no insurance. It's just your own money, basically. Um, but the net effect has been uh, owners that were paying $60 a month in premiums are now paying $300 a month. And now, right. and now the owners are in their 80s and 90s. And they've paid these premiums for years. They don't want to stop, um, and they're in a. It's put them in a bad position. But the the biggest takeaway: these things were uh, a lot of people viewed these as an investment vehicle. You know, they this was their right. saving vehicle for retirement. They looked at it as their retirement plan, right? And that that was a big mistake. Um, you you have to go in when you're buying something. You know know what what that is know all the know the ins and outs of it and the problem is a lot of people that sell these things um they don't know exactly it talks about that in the article um uh insurance agents that were selling them they didn't completely understand um and we see uh, something that's prevalent today are uh index annuities and th- those carry a lot of uh ways that the insurance company can get away with not paying right. you. Um, and we, we've seen those not work out for, for a lot of people. Um, so having insurance is fine, but view it as insurance. Yeah, Insurance is not an investment vehicle. Um, it can be used for estate planning. It can be used for pure insurance, but it's not an investment uh, you know, especially a retirement investment vehicle. Um, the other one <clears throat> is talking about the the two hundred billion dollar risk to uh, retirement. Um, while people are working, most four hundred one ks, four hundred three b plans, they allow the participant to take a loan uh, against the, the 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 balance. Well, the problem comes if the person defaults. Uh, on the loan, then whatever they took out becomes taxable. It's taxed as regular income, and then it never gets back in to right. the plan. So ideally, now life happens. Sometimes you have no choice but to do this. But ideally, you don't take a loan against your retirement plan. Now, you can't take a loan against an IRA, but with a, with an employer plan, you can, most of yeah. them. Um, you but, can also take a loan against an insurance policy. That's right. That's right. You can. Um, but ideally, you don't want to do that because you run the risk of getting hit with a big tax liability. If something happens with your employment status, um, you might have to liquidate more of it to pay the tax bill. Um, yeah. So it, it can get into a kind of a nasty steamroll if that happens. Yeah. Um, the best way to, to protect yourself against that is have your layers of liquidity, have a savings account, you know, that's there just for emergencies, build that up, then you're building up on your retirement. So it's, it's to be properly allocated with your cash first. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to, to protect against that. Right. You know, um, there are various ways that the financial markets have put out there to, uh, save for people and there's always another uh bell or whistle you know that that somebody's offering but the bottom line is there's nothing new under the sun you know interest rates are what they are equities 
bonds, insurance policies, annuities, 401ks, and life insurance or and IRAs are all basic uh, sort of products. You can't make any one of them be um, sort of a magic bullet. That's you right. Know. You, exactly. you have to you have to be diversified across all asset classes. That's right. And then you can't ask more of your retirement plan than than what it can give you. That's right. You know you have to be able to produce income from as many sources as possible because income's where it's at. That's right. That's what you live on. That's that's what makes the merry-go-round go around <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah um and you know <clears throat> all of those things are are tools um and they can be used drink a bunch of hot pepper or something before I, don't, you <clears throat> I don't know there's something i don't know if it's this weather or what yeah that that triple shot of starbucks isn't quite cutting it i thought they'd yeah. cut right through it but it's not um <laughs> It's but another stock that we've been looking at. Yeah. We haven't done anything. Yeah. It's it's an interesting company. Yeah. It um, is. Yeah, you know, th- this year we've had um we've we've been able to add a lot of new companies to the right. portfolio. Um it's it, you know you don't mind drops in the market, you know, if you're doing your research because that's when you get opportunities to buy things. Mm-hmm. Um you know, several companies well, one we mentioned earlier, <clears throat> it's an electric utility that we sold and we bought back. Um, we did that with an industrial company, too, uh, kind of a conglomerate, more of a patent company. Um, so you can, and this circles back around to the, the Sears, um, you have to continue doing your research right. um, and keep watching uh, a lot of different things because – if you sell a company and it's a good company and you're selling it just because it's too expensive, well, that means at some point in time, you're probably going to be able to buy it back. Yep. Um, and that's what we've been able to do with two of the companies this year. And we've added uh, several other new ones to the portfolio. Yeah. So the, the ultimate goal, you know, anytime we're, we can talk all day, you know, Hey, we bought this, you know, we sold this. What it comes down to is we bought or sold something to try to make the portfolio pay more in terms of dividends or be a more consistent dividend payer right. that drives the investment decisions. Yep. And the dividends provide cash flow. The cash flow provides for monthly expenses and our ability to help uh, our clients supplement those things. And if you're interested in uh, knowing more about it, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859 859- Two three three zero four hundred, or you can uh, email us at uh, info at dupreefinancial.com. Appreciate the opportunity to come to you guys by radio today. Thank you for your for listening. Been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio six thirty WLAP.